thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, we just watched the Cleveland Cavaliers take down the Boston Celtics in overtime for the second time in less than a week, right? Yeah. Holy hell. I mean, just emotions are are just at an all-time high right now, (laughs) right in cloud nine. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I have a personal disdain for the Boston Celtics due to all my friends being Celtics fans. So it's sweeter with each victory. Yeah. (laughs) No, you could quote that. (laughs) Fuck them. Matt Perry, sub quote, Corey Walsh. (laughs) Man, another overtime game and Darius Garland's return like this. this, There's just so many storylines to keep track of throughout this season. And we did not want injuries to be won. And Darius Garland, lo and behold, went out first game of the season, missed the next five. Cavs are just fine. Won their next five games of that stretch. Darius comes back tonight looking in midseason form, 29 points, 12 assists, 9 of 20 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3. Five huge triples, mind you. And this guy just had complete control of the offense at pretty much all points of the game. And it was just awesome to see him come back and add yet another dimension to this Cavalier team that had been missed throughout these last five games. And for this team to now be 6-1, and one, Six and one with during that stretch over with with victories over numerous quality opponents is it's just it makes me feel really good, man. I mean, over these past uh, over these past six games, the Cavs have beaten the Bulls, the Wizards, Orlando, Boston twice now, and the Knicks. That's some pretty quality competition right there, and that says a lot. And to do that and, and to win five of those games without Darius just shows you that this team is leaps ahead of what probably people even expected, even with the addition of Donovan Mitchell. So my friend, I have to ask you this because I know you just put out your personal rankings, (laughs) my unofficial official power rankings, (laughs) your unofficial official power rankings. Is this enough to go and elevate them to title contender status? Um, I am always hesitant to put my favorite teams in title contender status because that means that I am just putting myself up for uh, being upset down the road when they don't accomplish those goals. But I would say that the Cavs are still like one of the best teams. They're a better team in the East than I expected them to be. They went from what I expected to be like a six or five that I could see them easily competing for a top four seed at this point. I mean, the season's so long and we don't really can't really foresee six or seven games in 
how the Cavs are going to look 75% of the way through the year. There's a bunch of other factors. Um, but I think from what I've learned from uh, this Boston team is pretty much unchanged outside of Robert Williams not being there. And they played this, the Celtics very competitively in two straight games. And I think the Celtics know even if the first game they might have underestimated the Cavs, they definitely did not in the second game. So I think if anything, the Cavs have proven that they can play with battle contested uh, opponents from this point onward. There's not one game that the Cavs can't compete in. They're in every fucking game from now. You know, there's there's no reason why this team uh, can't make a run at a well, make a deep playoff run at the at the very least. Um, you know, very 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 early in the season, just seven games played. So I just want to ask you this, man, before we get to tonight's game. Is this hot start for real, or do you think it's just an early season mirage? Because and before our listeners get all pissed off at me about even asking that question, I do have to present you with these facts. And I think it's important to point this out that Washington, I believe, started out nine and one last season. Utah, prior to today's game, I haven't seen the proc score of that, six and two this season. Hell, the 2020-21 Cavs actually started off pretty decently, too. Now Granted, this team feels a whole hell of a lot different. Is there is there reason to believe that this early start can hold throughout the duration of the season, barring injury? Uh, yes, it definitely can continue because of one Donovan Mitchell, aka Donnie Dump Truck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that Dump truck. Oh that man God. is what the Cavs have been needing for a long time. Darius has felt at times like he had to carry the whole load offensively on his shoulders. Not saying because, uh, like, I'm using last season as an example because Colin was out for the whole year, and outside of Colin, no one else was really willing to be that scoring outlet when their name was called outside of Kevin Love, but a Kevin Love was ice cold. He wasn't stepping on the floor whatsoever <laughs> and same with Jetty Osmond. But uh, yeah, the, it's different in the sense that this team has already proven something. This isn't like them coming out of nowhere. It's with those wizards team, that wizard team last year and with Utah. Now it doesn't, neither of those teams really have been proven yet. I feel like that was more of a case. Like I use the example of when a rookie, like a new quarterback, like Cooper rush gets thrown into the game and he performs well. And everyone's like, Oh my God, is Cooper rush like a lead or something? It's like, no, you don't have any like film to really go off of when you see more and more games, it's much easier to prepare. So I guess I don't think this is a fluke of a roster right now, but, um, it be it's easier to say if it is or isn't when we get past like the 20th game of the year and there's a lot more film, but outside of Donovan Mitchell, this team is pretty much unchanged from last year as well. Yeah. I think that this is a pretty battle tested group, at least in the, in the category of just uh, continuity lineup continuity. For the most part, they went out and acquired Mitchell. Obviously they brought Ricky Rubio back, got a couple extra pieces and how Neto and Robin Lopez and some two way guys. Um, but for the most part, the contributors, at least the top contributors for the team is pretty much all returned. Sands, Lowry marketing and Colin Sexton, who for the vast majority of the season weren't 
available, at least in the case of Colin. So this team is a team that knows how to play together uh, for the most part, still trying to figure out how to integrate Donovan and Darius together. And that's one of the things that I kind of have an eye on right now. And I was a little bit worried about heading into the season, just trying to see who is going to, how those two are going to function. And in turn, how Lavert would look with those two within the starting lineup after it was announced he would start. Uh, but that kind of brings me to another question for them because, you know, we, we know what Darius did tonight with the 29 points, five rebounds, 12 assists, right? And we already covered that. But one thing prior to the start of the second half that had me a little worried was, hmm, this, this kind of has a little bit of element of your turn, my turn kind of thing. Like yeah. you, you, you take your turn running the offense and taking your shots and I'll conduct the offense when I, when I see fit or when it's opportune. And that, that kind of is how it felt in that first half. I don't know. Is that just me or, or do you kind of feel that way too? No, I, um, I felt at times that the offense kind of fell between the three of Lavert, Acora. Oh my God. Lavert, Mitchell and Garland. Okay. Yeah, no rip Isaac Acora. Uh, between those three, it just kind of felt like it didn't feel cohesive. The first quarter, it just felt completely like team ball. The ball was moving all over the place. I mean, Jeff Van Gundy was like having a seizure out of pure joy for <laughs> ball movement during he the really broadcast. Was. And then in the second quarter, like you said, it felt like you have a lot more of ISO ball. It's like, all right, well, if this first set we're going to run isn't going to work, then we're just going to go ISO with whoever is holding the ball at the given time. And it didn't feel like the offense really flowed. And that's why we saw significant struggles in the second quarter and at parts in the third quarter. But I feel like the team kind of like shook out of that as the game went on again. So I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I mean, there's ways to make it work, but I don't think that this Cavs team will thrive with just one player kind of orchestrating everything. I mean, Darius should probably still be like the straw that stirs the drink offensively for this team, but Donovan Mitchell can be the finisher while Darius does that too. And they'd both thrive in that role. I think that's a great point just because, you know, we don't really, to your point of film with Cooper Rush earlier, we really don't have a ton of film of these two uh, on the court together, you know, and, and, and trying to take turns and, and figure out how to play within the confines of the offense, play team ball. And, you know, again, to your point, they did that in the first quarter to the second quarter. It kind of felt a little bit of ISO driven, but in my opinion, man, it's a win at the highest level. I feel like you need a little bit of that. You need a guy who can go out there when the team is being broken down, when the defense is really just enclosing on just about everybody out there. You need a player who can go out there and get a bucket over anything else. And I feel like the Caps have at least two right now in Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garo. And yeah, there's saw- a, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I feel I feel like there's a fine line, though, in between like having it work in the fourth quarter. But in the mm-hmm. second quarter, the Boston defense immediately started picking up on what we were doing. And that's when the Cavs showed a lot of offensive struggles. And it led to a lot of turnovers and honestly just awful shot selection in the second quarter between everyone. I mean, Darius had such a hot start to that game. Donovan came on a little slow to start. And Karras was pretty atrocious for like the first 20 minutes of the game. But like you saw as the game went on, it kind of broke free of that. And that's when the offense truly like unlocked itself. It was a game of runs for sure. And all the Cavs good runs came off of ball movement, not off of hero ball. Sorry, man. 
<laughs> a daughter just woke up. I have to cut this short, guys. Uh, but with that said, yeah, I think that you're going to have to figure out what you have um, in this team besides those two. It's, you know, we, we know that these two can take over a game. To Derpy's point down here, we know that Darius can be that guy to take that last shot at the end of the game. Uh, but it, Mitchell, you know, that I think the team felt comfortable with either him or Darius going out there and doing that. And obviously it didn't work out leading to overtime, but you know, it's just one of those things. Um, I think I would feel very comfortable with either one of the guys, either one of those guys taking that last shot (laughs) or Dean. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Dean. Uh, But you got to figure out what you have outside of those because on a night where Karis LeVert is still trying to figure out, Hey, Darius is back. (laughs) <laughs> where do I fit into this now? Because I've been used to playing second fiddle for the uh, the last five games or so, and it's been nice. Yeah. It's been very good. I've been able to facilitate. I've been able to orchestrate more than I would have with Darius on the court. Now he's back, so what the hell do I do? Um, which is why a lot of people wondered whether or not once um, once Darius came back with everything that we saw out of Karis, would Karis be moved to the second unit to kind of operate there? There were some people who thought that would have been a good move and you had Dean Wade jump into the starting lineup. But, um, you know, Karis rebounded very well in that second half after kind of struggling in the first. Um, Had several key rebounds down the stretch. Some very good passes out there. Shooting wasn't great uh, again, and it it hasn't been on a lot of nights. But he's he's adding in other areas. And as long as he's doing that, as long as he's playing – consistent you know defense and he's out there making plays for others i i can't really be pissed off as long as the Cavs are winning yeah i agree i mean karis Levert has been a pleasant surprise not in the sense of like outside of that one nuclear outburst against boston the first time um but in terms of his like overall contributions he's definitely like checking all the boxes for like a connective guy and he's putting a lot of effort in he's doing things that he Normally hasn't really done, but overall, like I, <clears throat> I, I, you could convince me either way of who should start. Like, I feel like there's a case for Dean and there's a case for Karis. I think Karis could thrive more off the bench. I think he's playing well enough though in the starting lineup that I'm not saying it's detrimental to the team that he has that opportunity. But at the same time, Dean, we, we know what Dean will do and it just feels like, it'd be like trying to recreate the tall ball lineup again. If you throw Dean in there, but if you want to mix stuff up right now, it's early enough in the season that you could kind of tinker and the team's winning while you're kind of figuring stuff out. So that's just a win-win that most teams don't really have in their development period. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of different options here. The Cavs can throw out and even on a night where it, it kind of seems like you're not getting heavy contributions from Dean, uh, who was just two of seven from the field tonight and in love, especially uh, had yeah. eight points. Yeah. Had eight points, five rebounds, but he was only two of 10 from the field. Oh, five from three. So but one there, sick dunk. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be some nights like that, but as long as they're being picked up by others and we didn't even reference Jetty, poor Jetty, man, he's, he struggled the last three games. Uh, didn't score any points tonight. Oh, three from the field, 
which were all three point shots. <laughs> what um, jetty? <laughs> you sure? <laughs> uh, we we know how the jetty experience goes. It's up and down. It's a roller coaster. Um, up and down is an understatement. It's literally it like Mount Everest and then the bottom of the Baltic Sea. <laughs> there is like no in between. <laughs> There truly is no uh, gray area with him. It's either really, really, really hot or it's really cold. And to answer Derpy in the chat, uh, Osman was back in Turkey. He didn't show up to the game. Only 13 minutes tonight, Derpy. Uh, Just 13 minutes for Jetty. JB actually went five. Yeah, well, he went 10 deep tonight. Five players off the bench. Only one played 20-plus minutes, and that was Dean Wade, who even though he didn't shoot very well, he did provide some good defense couple of good, very good uh, defensive sequences for him. Um, one thing, one of the biggest takeaways from this game to me is, was the early foul trouble for Evan Mobley? Boy, did he come out and just look a, a lot, a hell of a lot more aggressive in that second half. I don't, was it just me who felt that? Or, or were you yeah. kind of thinking that too? Because he, he looked like he was starting to show a little bit more aggression in the third quarter. Yeah, no, he definitely like turned on a switch in that second half, and it was a nice sight to see because when Mobley decides to turn it on, like you really see his like true potential. I feel like with the way that the team's structured right now, he's not really asked to do a ton right now, especially with having Mitchell on the floor now too. He doesn't feel that offensive pressure to put more shots up. It's definitely like anytime he's comfortable with something is when he does it, but we've seen it in other games as well, where when Mobley really wants to put his back to the basket and just start pounding dudes in the paint, then like it's a, it's a completely different player. Yeah. He has the length obviously. And it looks like he's bulked up a little bit. You know, that was one of the big emphasis of this off season was him putting on some more muscle and him being able to use that muscle over some mismatches. It's a pretty huge thing. He did that on a few occasions tonight still is, I don't, I don't know if like the lack of like elite rebounding numbers says anything about his overall aggression or more about opportunity. Uh, but when you have like a, when you're front, court partner and Jared Allen is grabbing 14 rebounds. <laughs> it's not such a big deal. <laughs> I think it's harder as a power forward to also get a lot more rebounds because especially in today's game, especially it depends on who you're matched up against. And in most cases for him, it would be like Tatum or Grant Williams at yeah. the power forward. So they're going to be stretched out. So the minute a shot hits, unless he's like hard crashing, which would only leave oh, an open three if, the of the Celtics got a rebound or something. It's all situational. I mean, I would pay more attention to his rebounds when he was playing the five in rotations than I would in general because it could be very hard to tell what what rebounds were gotten when. That's very true. It's a very good point. Just because you know he can be drawn out to the perimeter uh, when he's when he's defending Tatum and Brown and others. When you know whatever he's doing, he's generally a guy who we think is very switchable. Um, Jared Allen can um, doesn't get enough credit, doesn't get enough love for that aspect of his game. But Evan Mobley is kind of, I would say, maybe a small tier above in that category. He has a little bit more switchability to him. He actually had the highest plus minus of uh, any calf tonight, plus 15. That includes Darius Garland. And I think most of that is for his production in the second half and the defense that he that he was able to turn on then. Um, speaking of the of Tatum, though, uh, Tatum and Brown, those two. Jeez Louise, man. 56 points between the two. Um, they did not shoot very well from the field uh, collectively. 
Brown was 10 of 26. Tatum was 8 of 21. But there's this like strange phenomenon to me, and it, it, it does not show up in the stat sheet, obviously, for Tatum tonight. But every triple this dude took, it just kind of felt like it was going to go in. He only made two tonight, but it, it just kind of felt all his shots looked like they were going to go. He just has a silky stroke. But the weird thing about Tatum to me always is that he just becomes so passive for long stretches. Like, I think they said his shot he made with like four minutes left in the fourth was his first shot, like, make since three minutes in the third. Like, the dude pretty much went a full quarter without making a a bucket. And I feel like I didn't remember him taking that many. And then there's Jalen Brown, who they announced like in the third quarter had 24 points. And I felt like it was some of the most silent 24 points ever scored. They felt like Andrew Wiggins numbers <laughs> at times where I'm like, wait, what? He scored that many. That was, I was, I was watching the whole game and it didn't feel like quiet it. points. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, they're, they're such a fun slash weird combo to watch. Like they, I know everyone likes to think, do they make sense? Do they not? I think they definitely, make sense together they obviously work well together i mean this they went to the finals <laughs> yeah i mean if that conversation goes up if like boston's like around 500 or flirting above it a little bit halfway through the year then people just need to like not have short like goldfish memory and just remember oh wait yeah this team was is competitive and they the, the celtics are they're just in a weird spot right now. There's so much going on around them and they're without Robert Williams, who was so integral to that defense last year. I know everyone loves to throw the praise at Marcus smart, the flop artist of the year, but um, (laughs) Robert Williams really was a defensive player of the year type of guy. And had he been healthy all last season, he probably would have won it over Marcus. Yeah. I mean, the two of them together obviously really helped that Celtics defense. I mean, Brown and Tatum are both decent defenders too. It's a very, it, it it was a definitely a defensive based team, but Robert Williams is huge for them. And Al Horford just can't play as many minutes as they are making him play. It's just blows my mind how they pretty much have to run small ball 90% of the time. Cause you also want to conserve Horford for the postseason and not burn out his legs playing meaningless basketball in the regular season. Horford played 40 minutes tonight, man. They had a double right. double and had best plus minus for them at the plus 11. Um, he just does so many things very well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I hope um, Al Horford has icy hot. <laughs> <laughs> Hit up Shaq, man. Yeah, <laughs> help a brother out. <laughs> He'll take care of him. Um, yeah, definitely a well-balanced team that they have there. And, you know, I tweeted this out right before the end of the game. And is that I really believe that these two teams face off in the postseason. This is going seven games. Like, obviously, again, they did not have Robert Williams for either matchup. Cleveland didn't have Darius Garland for the first matchup. Game went to overtime. Cavs win. Cavs win tonight uh, with Darius Garland back in another overtime showdown. Just awesome. But. I do feel that this this has all the makings of a classic seven-game series between the two, however it shakes out. I'd love to to see these two teams face off in the Eastern Conference Finals, but we can't discount some of the other Eastern Conference juggernauts either. Like Brooklyn. (laughs) Milwaukee. Uh, you know Miami. They're they're rolling right now. But man, this this Cavs team, they're there's just no way that you can look at this Cavs team and and feel like 
this team, the, the, the sky isn't the limit because it, it clearly is. Like we, we don't even have every single guy who you would think would be in the rotation available. And the, the lone guy I'm talking about, obviously, is Ricky Rubio. Diakite. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this team has not even reached its apex yet, and they are appear to be hitting on all strides and pulling out wins when they need to. Is this the third overtime game? Am I yeah. tripping? Three overtime victories this season for the Cavs. When's the last time that happened this early? Somebody figure that out. <laughs> 97. <laughs> Oh, man. hey, I Just, underscore really hoop. Um, I would really love one of those uh, T-shirts you snagged. So uh, maybe you should DM me or something. You know, uh, we can work something out. <laughs> what a creep. <laughs> uh, or I can do it to you. I mean, whatever is less creepy for you. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Um, I just want to point this out, you know, because the, the team obviously was rolling without Garland. Um, some of Mitchell's ranks as a, as the lead guard. He's got you, man. Um, as the lead guard before DG came back, 32.2 points up following the game that they had previously won over the Knicks. 32.2 points, which is third among uh, among guards. Actually, among the NBA, rather, I believe. 7.3 assists, uh, 1.7 steals, 49.6% from the field, 45.5 from three, 85.7 from free throw line, and 38.9 minutes per game with a 33.2% usage rate. Obviously, these are all before tonight's game, but it just goes to show that if need be, Donovan Mitchell can function as the team's de facto point guard. Um he actually spent, fun fact, 95% of his total 234 minutes at the one guard this year prior to tonight's game. And classically, like he's done this throughout his entire career. He's actually played more one guard than two guard. Donovan Mitchell is like James Harden light in the sense that like he can operate the same way James Harden does where he can play the point guard, but his mentality is always going to be like a shooting guard mindset where it's his mm-hmm. bucket and then whatever assists he can generate out of his own offense. If like a shot's not looking like it's going to go his way, then so be it. Um, that's what makes him and Darius so different. Cause like, even though we think of Darius as like a scorer, like he definitely can like score from wherever on the court. I still think of him like as a pass first guy. Like I think in Darius's mind, it's like the best case scenario that Donovan Mitchell's there. I don't think, even if Donovan Mitchell became like the scoring leader for this Cavs team at the end of the year, I don't think Darius would be like resentful of that. Like some point guards might be just because I think Darius is truly a, uh, he wants to be the guy that gets everyone else going before he does it himself. I mean, the coaching staff for years was always telling him he's got to take more shots. And it felt like last year, even though he was making a decent amount of shots, he was, like hesitantly shooting them in the sense that like he just it didn't feel like what it, true to his game. I think that's fair. Um, again, man, there's just so many unanswered questions. Still, it's just one game, so obviously this is this is not something that we can use as a barometer for how well these two are going to function throughout the entirety of the season. It's just one game, but they appear to have played very well off of each other tonight. A collective 18 assists between the two, a collective 
54 points. Uh, just just very good production from them. And I think that can only grow. That can only continue to get better, especially as they kind of gel with some of the additional supporting cast. Um I'm I'm looking at the rest of this schedule over the next couple of days, man. I'm find me a L. I mean, Cleveland plays Detroit on Friday. They have the Lakers on Sunday. They have the Clippers on Monday. Sacramento, I, uh, Golden State, Minnesota, Milwaukee. Milwaukee is probably the game to circle that that I would not feel comfortable with the Cavs heading into. Yeah, I think the Clippers will be interesting. I think they have two elite small forwards at their disposal, and I would argue the Cavs have um, zero. <laughs> so, and Isaac Okoro can only guard one of them, and then uh, the Clippers only have to guard none of Isaac Okoro in order for him to be uh, a valuable player. So that should be fun. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> Hey man, Isaac Okoro put up a really good stat line today. Zero 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 zero. Just just tragic, man. That's that's just messed up. Uh, Thank God he dug into him, man. I mean, they. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, like I I want to continue to root for Isaac. I, I want to be able to continue to say, hey, this guy is gonna develop into the, a three and D type of player, but it, we just haven't seen it yet, and. I don't know what the hell happened in between, you know, this off season and, and the start of the season because he looked okay in preseason. There was some promise. I don't I don't know what happened, but something just threw him completely off. I don't know if it was the Garland injury that kind of threw off where he thought he would end up playing. I, I don't know, but he only played eight minutes tonight, and I think that's very telling. Um, you know. Prior to the game, I dropped what I thought would be a pretty good rotation, and I didn't have Isaac playing less than 10 minutes. Um, but I understand it. I, I mean, JB consult you. <laughs> he should have. No, <laughs> obviously, he should have. Um, that's that. Yeah, thing. JB. I mean, you look, this is a game. I mean, it's an overtime game. Three guys played over 40 minutes tonight, and they, they needed every single one of them. I mean, Lavert. Led the team forty six minutes. Mitchell forty four. Garland forty two. Um, minutes restriction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't wear any uh, eyeglasses or goggles. Rather, that that was that worried me a bit. More on that in a second. But <laughs> to not find Isaac more than eight minutes tonight in a game where, I mean, you you kind of need some type of perimeter defense. Kind of speaks a lot. They felt comfortable with their chances of him not playing that well and it's not like he was in foul trouble he only had two fouls on the night they just kind of rolled with the uh with the hot hands here and then with jetty as don oliver kind of points out here could we see windler and stevens in the rotation oh um, god i hope so i want to see win uh stevens minutes so badly i think we might like if you really look at this Cavs rotation right now isaac's minutes continue to down just continue to take a kind of a deep dive here. And I think where this is all heading to is a possible inclusion of one of not, maybe not both, <laughs> but one of Lamar Stevens or Dylan Winler. Um, and it's going to be Lamar. I just know it. Like, it seems like those two are interchangeable with JB. If I was going to see 
Lamar Stevens step on the floor at any point. I think that uh, that Lakers game is going to be the game that he gets tossed out into because if they're not going to play Isaac on LeBron, then they're going to need somebody, and it's not going to be Dean, Dean Wade. That's it'll for be sure. Dean. What do you mean, Dean dude? There were moments with Dean. Down. Dude, Dean struggled against Jason Tatum. Like there were some <laughs> awful sequences. Everybody so bad for Dean Tatum, man. No, yeah, and what do you think LeBron's gonna do? Ah, <laughs> look, man. All I've used him in the past too. That's also my main reason is that Lamar has been used against LeBron for a lot of the times I can remember recently. So I, the if there was a time, him. that's what they call him in certain alleys. <laughs> <laughs> By no means am I saying I feel like Lamar couldn't handle that because I feel like that's a perfect time to roll him out. Hell, you could put him in the Clippers game. There's a lot of matchups here who I'd feel comfortable with um, rolling Lamar out there. But to circle back to that, I, I really seriously feel like we could end up seeing one of those two players, whether that's Dylan Windler because of his ability, perceived ability to knock down the three ball and to defend. It's hypothetical <laughs> ability. <laughs> yes. uh, it's all in our minds for the most part. I mean, we've seen stretches, I suppose, but not consistently enough. He's, he kind of has that same element of inconsistency that Jetty has, but to a lesser degree. Um, but yeah, and then with Isaac, it's like, okay, how can this get any worse? Like, how can... This We've hit rock re- bottom. <laughs> re- for him, how can it get worse? You've all but been usurped in the rotation. Your minutes are continuing to go down. <laughs> and you are going to possibly lose your spot in the rotation if you don't pick this shit up. Like, And you know me, dude. You know I've continued to ride for Okoro. You know I was really hoping for a breakout this year and by – all accounts, it's just seven games into the season. It's still entirely possible, but it's looking less and less likely as each game transpires and guys are just waiting for their opportunity. I mean, how long? No no jokes. How long until we see Mamadi Diakite come out here? It's longer than you could than you think. I hate think. <laughs> how long do I have to wait? <laughs> Look, man, the point is, Isaac is uh, he's struggling. He's struggling mightily right now, and I I really don't know what they can do to get him going. Like, he just looks uncomfortable at points. The Cavs really – I don't even know if it's anybody's fault because you added Donovan, you, you put Karras in the starting lineup. We always I, – I, I don't know about you, but I always kind of felt like Isaac's best – chance the best circumstance that he could probably have had of being the most impactful lied within the starting lineup because it required less of him less creation less of uh just really point production he could go out there and worry about just spotting up in the corners knocking down a couple of shots every now and then and providing excellent perimeter defense but how can you do that off the bench when you're not getting any time and (laughs) I mean, it just boils down to that. Like, I, I'm trying to rationalize it, but I just, I can't. Like, Max he's just so outplayed right now for Isaac Coro. <laughs> he's being outplayed. I mean, what can I say? He's like, getting outplayed I, by the ball boy. <laughs> come on, <laughs> I'm not going to disrespect the guy that much, but uh, he's he's certainly being outplayed. In, Offensively, like, he's getting outplayed by like the halftime show. <laughs> 
Jeff Van Gundy definitely didn't like it. <laughs> no, Jeff Van Gundy's like, you need to shoot more of those threes if they're available. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if he does. He didn't take not- any in his eight minutes tonight. He did not take a single shot. I would not either at the rate that I have been seeing him shoot. <laughs> and he was but, still a minus six. Hey, but him, Garland, and uh, Donovan Mitchell combined for 54 points tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> can't take that away from him. Uh, Man, like like I said, I, I'm gonna continue to root for Isaac. I'm not trying to beat up on the guy. It's just I feel bad for the guy, but it, for the player, no. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. As long as the Cavs are winning, how can I be really pissed off? Like I'm not pissed off at him at all. I'm just like aggravated for him. <laughs> I just mean I can't be mad at the fact that he's not playing because oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know. I can't be mad at that at all. The Cavs are six and one. They have victories over numerous possible playoff caliber opponents. Um, We obviously, (laughs) obviously, Boston is one. They just came out of the finals. But you you just this East is a very tumultuous, very um, perplexing thing here. So you just don't know where teams are going to end up at the end of the day. But they they've had some very good victories, three overtime victories, Um, just stuff that. I don't think after seven games this season, I don't know like if anybody would have thought the Cavs would be six and one right now. And like uh, like I was saying earlier, when you look ahead of their schedule here, Detroit, L.A., L.A., Sacramento, Golden State, Minnesota, Milwaukee, those most of these games the Cavs could possibly be favored in. Um, and that's that's quite a refreshing thing to be a part of. Like, I don't know, probably haven't felt this way since maybe year the last year of LeBron. I don't even know about then because that was still a struggle at points. Um, probably year three of the second LeBron stint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Just a lot to take away <laughs> from this one, man. Like I'm, I'm trying to tamper my expectation or temper my expectations, but it's, it's hard to not really be excited right now based upon what we have seen. So before we close out of here tonight, just quick rapid fire questions. Tonight's player of the game. Obviously I think I know what you're going to say, but who is tonight's player of the game for the Cavs? DG the PG baby. I mean, come on. <laughs> The guy comes with like one eye, like Patchy the Pirate, and freaking drops 29 points and was lights out in the first quarter. He, and he orchestrated the offense as if nothing ever changed. It, he really did. Certainly did. Who was the worst player on the court tonight? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like I've already done enough to Isaac's self esteem <laughs> that I should pivot. Kevin Love had a pretty atrocious game. It was pretty bad. Being, outside of that dunk, that dunk was probably the best moment I've had in a Kevin Love memory in a little bit since, uh, you know, one game ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Kevin, you know, Kevin had a pretty rough game. Jetty had a pretty rough game. I think they can share that award together. I mean, yeah, the bench in general actually gets my worst performance of the game. I think the bench in general, we could have, if we had a half decent bench performance, we would have won that game in regulation by a decent amount. Rate the front court's performance mm. on a scale of one to ten. I would say A because I think there's room for improvement. <laughs> a, yeah, 
Yep. Okay, we'll stick with that. We'll stick with that. Uh, Jared, like, Jared often has quiet double-doubles. Like, he, he just sneaks up on you. <laughs> it's like, I think with the way that the backcourt is, it's really hard to say, like, what is a good front court and or, yeah, what is a good f- front court, like, performance? Because we don't rely on them offensively. So if you just want them to keep the defense sound, then they usually do their job. I think that's fair. I mean, there's not going to be too many games in which you're you're really relying upon Evan and Jared as your primary options. Like, you would have to have serious injuries to the to the backcourt to say that, like, Evan is still developing on the offensive end, honestly. And Jared kind of is what he is. He he sticks to what he's best at and really nothing else. You might get the surprise three-point attempt uh, off of a bailout, you know, or in the shot clock scenario. But for all intents and purposes, you kind of know what you're getting from him. So, um, yeah, I think that's to, – to, to look at a game where your front court combines for 29 points and 21 rebounds, pretty good production. Not everyone can be Darius Garland and score 29 on their own. (laughs) (laughs) One of one, truly one of one. And with that said, as we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review or rating to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we will personally invite you with that said go Cavs and the team remember will be taking on Detroit on Friday so that's a 2-7 and seven team right now it could be a trap game I don't know no sir Killian Hayes ain't trapping this team <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to end it I'm gonna cut it there good night y'all <laughs>